Hey, this is Jonathan Wagner. Just doing something a little bit different on some off days. Um, Going to be meeting with various people throughout the year and just talking to them about their experience and in life and with Christ and their journeys. And uh, we're going to be talking to Matthew Hester here in just a few minutes, uh, Dr. Pastor Matthew Hester. And uh, so we'll, we'll go from there. I just wanted to... Uh, kind of put that out there as an introduction and then we'll start here in a minute. Alright, we are with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Hester sitting in uh, Cameroon's, Cameroon's Cigar Lounge, which is where we met and uh, meet regularly and talk about things of faith and things of uh, life in general and uh, Matt has agreed to uh, share with us a little bit about his story and a little bit about his life. So, care to introduce yourself? No, well, thanks for, for having me. And uh, in this informal, laid-back setting, it helps a lot. But uh, no, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of this and to hopefully, you know, encourage some people and share some truth and experience, whatever. Yeah, man, thank you. Oh, and before I mess it, because I'll mess it up, the name of your church is Dominion Church. Dominion Church. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure because I would, I would have said some other church name and gotten it wrong. Yep. And then, you know, been confusing, and so you know. You can check it out on <laughs> www.dominionchurch.net. Awesome. There you go. All right, that's good. <laughs> and uh, if you're on Twitter, follow uh, Matt Hester. What, what's your Twitter handle? I don't, I don't even know. I, I mean. If 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 five people followed me, my my followers would go up by ten percent. Yeah, so I, I think it's at Maddie Hester. Oh, at M M Hester. At M M Hester. H E S T E R. But I would I would encourage you more to follow my Facebook pages and things like that. But yeah. So you can look him up on Facebook as well. So yes. He's he's on all the social medias. And uh, anyway, so Matt. You are not an old man, so Thank you're you. young. Thank you. I know you have kids, so you're not a completely young man either. You, That's right. You've got teenagers, so you can't be young and have a teenager. But um, um, how long have you been a Christian? Wow. Well, um, I'll, I'll give some context around this. Sure. I, I, normally, I know people like a direct answer, but I'm not very good at direct answers. So, um, so I grew up in ministry. Um, the church I pastor now, my parents founded in 1985. And so to an extent, I mean, I was never aware of a time where my life and my experience wasn't focused around Jesus, around Christianity. Um, so if we're talking more about a confession of faith, uh, I would say that that happened around the age of seven. Okay. But then if we start talking about conversion, or I like to say when the God of my parents became my God, right. that would probably be around the age of 17. 17. Yeah. More of a turning away from the, the things that you were, you know, of yourself towards the things of God. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I would say maybe, maybe more of the pursuit, where you start pursuing your own, your, you know, you What's what's resonates in your heart? Which Not are, just being carried along. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and that, that's uh, I can appreciate that. I grew up in similar circumstances, and 
Yeah, so that, that's awesome. So, um, all right, so this is just a, a fun thing to ask, but um, when you were young, did anything ever happen that, well, I'm not going to say that you were responsible for. <laughs> okay, that's but good. Possibly. Um, in church that you think back of as either humorous or extremely, you know, very fondly, um, you know. Humorous, like getting in trouble humorous or whatever. Well, I don't know why. It's when you when you <laughs> just were asking that, I thought of a time. Um, so years, uh, for, for years, we actually were in relationship with Christian International. They're based out of Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, Bishop Bill Hammond. Uh, and um, we were there for a conference and there was a bunch of young people. I don't even know kind of how we got grouped together, but we, we kind of just ended up kind of goofing off. And we found our way behind like the backstage of this platform. And we, we did not know that they were actually doing a session in the auditorium at that time. We thought it was like a break. And we're just back there goofing off, laughing, carrying on. And the speaker starts talking. I hear, why do I hear voices back here behind the curtain? I mean, literally calling us out. We were mortified. And we actually all took off running because we, of course, we didn't want to get in any more trouble than we knew we were going to be in. But that, that, that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that kind of stuff can that, happen. That type of stuff happens, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you grow up with peak hair. That's so right. That That's right. Um, so, and, and have your children ever, you know, done anything similar like that to you? Well, <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. Uh, well, my kids, uh, they they have grown up. They treat well. If we talk about a building proper, they treat the building like it's their home, and so they just. I mean, they'll walk in, kick off their socks and shoes, take off, take a running laps. I mean, they have no. There's no facade. There's no pretense. Um, and I guess that's part of the environment we foster too. So, um, but now they're pretty good kids. I mean, they hadn't done anything too crazy yet. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, said and done, I'm sure I caused a lot more trouble in my youth than they will. That's, that's what I'm hoping. So <laughs> that, That's the hope of all of us. Yes. So, that's cool. Um, so, speaking of children, and, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question, and, and you can say, nah, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> all right. But... What is your, I, I, I don't think that you've ever been there, but if one of your children were to come and tell you something that's a, a life-changing event that's happened to them, whether it was something that they did or that happened because of them or to them, you know, uh, I mean, not, not in a victimized type state, but you know, just something that they did, you know, what is your response? What would your response be? So I'm assuming this is more, more of in a negative context. Well, say one of your daughters came and said, Dad, I'm crying. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or yeah. those type of things. Sure. Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, and my answer probably would have been radically different 
if we were having this conversation, you know, even five years ago, <laughs> uh, because well, well, six years ago, uh, around 2014, I had this radical encounter with the gospel of grace, and it turned so much of what I thought I knew first about the nature of God, but then also about myself uh, when I began to really just have my world rocked by that. And, um, and and actually, so not with my own daughter, but we've, we've even had a scenario identical to that with a young lady in our church. And, uh, and she came to my wife and I, I mean, you could tell she was just fearful, like what are, what are my pastors gonna do? Right. And um, and we just took that opportunity just to love on her, uh, because uh, said and done, she had already beat herself up uh, already, and she didn't right. need she didn't need us to heap that on her. She needed us to love her, know that we're there for her, we're going to support her. Um, and so, you know, I would like to think that would be my response because I'm, I mean, I'm just sold on the the transformative power of love. It, it's much greater than the fear of discipline or anything right. like that. Uh, and then also, um, uh, love keeps that the, the heart connection. You know, if my if one of my daughters would have come to me with that, said and done, I want to make sure that I still have her heart, even though we're going to have to walk through this tough situation and we're going to have to, you know, it doesn't necessarily spare the consequence of our actions. Right. There's certainly going to be consequences, uh, but the love is going to have to be the driving force. I mean, I, I don't know what other what other option to put on the table, really. Well, yeah, that's and that's a fantastic answer. And that's a, you know that's pretty much what I expected. But the um, you know there's, you hear about people that you know they have been disowned because they did something that you know their parents it shamed them. Mm-hmm. They brought shame on their family. and They were disowned. Or, you know, they brought shame on their church. You know, it's like, well, you just can't be a part of this anymore because you're shameful. It's like, I don't see the love of God anymore. So I I never have understood that Mm -hmm. approach. While knowing that if you were in that situation, it would be difficult. It would be hard. Oh, yeah, sure. But it's still, I mean, you know, is it worth losing that connection, you know, to a child? And, you know. Well, if you, I mean, I, I would think you, if you, if we could, which it's impossible, but just, you know, kind of humor, humor me for a minute. If we would try to assert ourselves into the position of our heavenly father, mm-hmm. I mean, basically that's the scenario for him, for each one of us. It, absolutely. He's faced with why in the world did they do this? I, I tr- I'm, pro- I'm trying to provide a way that's better. I'm trying to spare them this heartache. Yet they still decided to do it. I'm so glad he doesn't sit down and disown us and say, oh, well, go somewhere else to get help. I mean, forget you. No, it, you know, again, very much the faithful father in the, in the story of the prodigal son. Um, always faithful, always watching, always ready to receive us and to love us and to bless us. Um, whether we stay at home or run off, right. <laughs> you know, because a lot of times we forget he had to deal with the son that stayed home. Right. Uh, actually, more severely than the one that ran away, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah. the one that stayed home was like, well, I'm perfect. Yeah. How it's dare like, you celebrate this way? I mean, <laughs> yeah, not, not necessarily so perfect. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, so that train of thought kind of leads me down the direction of this question and 
Let me think about it now and how I was going to ask it. I thought of it, and then I forgot it. Um, well, I'll try to think of it. It's going to be a good one. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to ask that question. We'll just see. But um, in... Uh, in repentance and you know, in coming to Christ and, and walking with Him, um, I, you know, my personal opinion is that salvation is bought and paid for by Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's really something that we have to accept and then we choose to follow Him. We choose Him as our Lord and Savior and we you know, change as a result of following Him. Mm-hmm. Not that we have to change to come to him. Yeah. But what is your, you know, if, if someone came to you and said, what, do I, what must I do to be saved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Well, that, I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, if we just go st- down just the scriptural line, I think that the, the bulk of the evidence suggests belief. Uh, that's, I mean, that, I know that's going to disappoint some people, but it's belief. Um, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, okay, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And it's not like the only thing we actually focus on is confessing. Right. But actually the believing happens before the confession happens. Okay. Yeah, to. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, you know, Jesus and John. Uh, this is after he's fed the multitude there within the context of it all. And, and then the, the, the group's kind of asking him, okay, what must, what must we do to get in on the works of your father? So again, right there, they're focused on works, and that has not changed, unfortunately, in 2,000 years. And Jesus responds, you must believe on him that he has sent. So again, this is not about what we must do for salvation. Belief is the key. Uh, but then that belief, it opens us up, again, to maturity. I think, I think that's another thing we miss, we miss and we don't talk enough about, um, that, that um, God doesn't expect us to be full-grown, mature sons from day one, you know? Uh, that's, a, that's a crucial <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, uh, and, and you look at the process, you know, um, from milk to bread to meat. Uh, even Jesus, you know, just, just did a fascinating study on this. Um, the, the, the three times that Jesus is called son, uh, he's first called son at his uh, circumcision. And the word son used there in the Greek is uh, infant or baby. The second time he's referred to as son is at the age of 12 when he's in the temple, uh, which is the age of bar mitzvah for, for right. Jewish boys. And that word is technon, which is adolescent or teenager. But then it's not until we get into the synoptic gospels and when he's baptized in the river Jordan, this is my beloved son, that word is weos, full grown mature son. So even Jesus had to mature from, <coughs> from adolescent to you know, from baby to teenager, to full grown. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like a lot of us, we don't want to give anyone <laughs> The space to mature and grow, right? You know, and, and I think that you know when people doubt or when they, I'm not sure I trust God. I mean, all that's part of walking out this process of what it is to to grow up in our sonship, and so we just need to give people some grace, man. <laughs> I mean, well, grace for the journey. <laughs> I agree, and I you know, I think it's a lot like you know even our children going back to children again because you know it is a familial relationship with God yes is you know there there are times when your children when you're when you're disciplining them you're teaching them training them that they you know 
whether they use the words or not, mm-hmm. they look at you and say, I hate you. Whether yeah. it's they actually yeah. say it, I mean, many times they do. Well, they actually do in my case. I've, I've, <laughs> so, <laughs> But it's not necessarily that they really mm-hmm. hate you. They don't yeah. necessarily even really know what hate is. They yes. just know that they're unhappy that they're not getting their way. Yes. And I think that we, as was as we're maturing in Christianity, go through that same type of thing. And I think that there, there are people that are like, you know, I hate you. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's all right. You, yeah. can, you can hate me. I Does it change his heart towards us? <laughs> and and and, but yet we feel like if somebody says that, they're like, oh well, they're in the outer reaches and you know, hmm. in the dark, and they they're you know they're without hope and. Because they hate God, and it's like I don't. Know, I mean, my personal opinion is that as long as God loves us, yes, we're not without hope. Yeah. Now we may still choose to avoid Him, to stay away from Him. Yeah. But we can't be without Him. Yes. I, that's what yes. I think. And, yeah. and so that's. I mean, what you know? What do you? Well, I mean, I I think you're onto something. That if you if you go back and you look at the primary focus of Scripture, it's about God's love for us, not our love for Him. Right. And, and and someone needs to hear that. Um, uh, a great book I'd highly recommend by Tully and Chavidjian is called One Way Love: Inexhaustible Grace for an Exhausted World. And he makes the case that the love of God, the reason it's so otherworldly and so extravagant, is it's one way. In other words. It's not transactional. Right. He doesn't love us to be loved. Right. You know, in our human experience, that's a very foreign concept. It's all about do this for me, I'll do this for you, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Right. God's not like that. He's like, I'll love you no matter what. You can hate me, you can deny me, you can do. I'm still going to love you. Um, and so when we start understanding that the heart of God is about his love for us, then that produces our love for him. You know, what's that verse say? It says that we love him because why? He first loved us. And so having that revelation of his love, it actually frees us up. Because uh, I feel like a lot of times we turn love into a responsibility. Right. And I mean, and I'm just trying to imagine, like, so even with my wife, how miserable that would feel like, well, I'm, I, I guess I've got to love her. I, oh, well. I mean, she'd feel terrible if that's, yeah, that's how right. we how our marriage worked, you know. There's, there's so, no yeah, yeah. So you know, take the labor out of that, enjoy the love of God, and then it produces our love for Him. Right. That's absolutely mm-hmm. you know, awesome. And you know, John three sixteen, for God so yes. loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Yes. I mean, you, you can't. You know, Jesus, you know, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friend, yep. his neighbor, you know, first, first John 4, God is love. Right. It's not something that God simply does. It's who he is. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would go so far as to say you can't, have an, you can't have an authentic encounter with God unless you have an encounter with love. Mm-hmm. And you can't have an authentic encounter with love unless you have an encounter with God. I have a, I have a uh, confessing atheist friend. And, uh, and, and every now and then he'll kind of, you know, begrudgingly ask, so let's talk about God for a little bit, you know. And, and he's like, so tell me about, how do you know that he exists? And I just, I changed it on him so quick. I said, well, have you ever felt love before? He's like, well, sure. My, I feel it for my wife and my, my son. I was like, well, then you, you've already met God, whether you know it or not. <laughs> and he's like, hey, okay, I've never heard that before. So That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true.
because you can't have that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just an awesome thing. So, awesome. Okay. So moving forward from that, just, I mean, yeah. not that it needs to be moved forward from, but, <laughs> but just, you know, to, to move along. Yep. Um, you have done, you know, you've written a bunch of books, several. How many books? I've, I've got four out right now. Yeah, working on my fifth. Yeah. And his fifth book is all about the people he's met in there. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's uh, autobiographical. And, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but no, he's written you know, four books on, on faith. Now, in, those, in the writing of those books, have yes. you seen a change in your perspective over the years? Because I assume it's been a few years that you wrote the over you wrote Yes. Those. Yeah. Uh, it's been... I guess at this point, over the course of 15 years, um, yeah, um, I, well, I think what it is is I, I found what I'm passionate about. Um, it, if you hang around any minister, especially long enough, you find out they, they all have kind of one message, and then they'll end up preaching a thousand different ways. And, and so mine is righteous identity. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm devoted to, is people understanding who they are in God. Right. And, uh, and so my first book is called Born to be Kings. It was basically like a shotgun approach. First of all, because I didn't even really know what I was doing, how to write a book to start with. Um, and, 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 and so it was, it was kind of an introduction. It was like my way of introducing myself to the church, if you will. And then the next one was called The Tree of Life. And I started zeroing in on making the case Jesus is the tree of life. And when we eat from him, we produce what we eat from and so we talk about the different fruits of the life of Jesus. Um, and then uh, the third one was kind of a booklet called Becoming Glorious. And, it, and again, it's about releasing what's been there all along. And so taking away a lot of the mystery of the glory of God, you know, because we're actually told that, uh, that um, we, we actually are the glory of God in Christ Jesus, which is it's an amazing thing to think about. And then my, my newest book is called Guaranteed Victory. And again, it's about... Um, the backdrop's the story of Gideon, but it's identifying what righteous identity looks like in, in the believer. And so that's what I'm passionate about. That's what, that's probably, that's what I'll write my next four books about yeah, to some cool. degree or another. Yeah. And I can so, see how you, you could use Gideon in that. Yeah. Because they, they deal with fear. They deal with all kind of issues that are common to all of us, you know, uh, not to mention just Gideon himself. I mean, the dude was... He had well, issues. The, the, the first thing, when, you know, when the angel appears to him at the beginning and says, you know, hello, righteous, valiant man. He's like yeah. hiding in a hole. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what? That's right. So, yeah. But no, that's cool. And then you have a online school of, what is, how do you define that? What, well, how is that defined? Or what's well, the, it's, it's um, so it's called Present Truth Academy. And basically, so, uh, you know, for anyone listening, it's, it's not intended to be a theology school. While certainly we talk about the nature of God and things like that, it's, it's meant to be like an equipping type center to, to a large extent. And, and again, it's what I've been talking about, righteous identity. Um, usually when I get around some people and talk for an hour or so, they're like, most of the time the, the, the responses are one of two things. Wow, that was great. That's what I've been believing in my heart for a long time. Thank you for articulating it. Or the other responses, I've never heard that before. Where can I get more? 
And so really, that's what the academy was born out of. And um, so, yeah, and I, I've got friends uh, from all over the world that are contribu- contributors to it. And uh, But yeah, it's just, um, that's, and it's all online. So it's you can take it anywhere at your own time. And uh, just a way to, the way we kind of pitch it is, we want to partner with you in your journey in truth. And of course, truth being a person and his name is Jesus. So that's that's the encounter we hope for for everyone that's a part of it. How often do you all get together? How often do you get together? Uh, a good bit. time every... No. No, not that yet. One of my favorite lines is, I've given him a million reasons to abandon me and he never has. That's right. That's true. That's right. That's absolutely right. And then... know there are fellow Christians meeting the Absolutely. I'm Delaney. I just moved to town. Oh, nice. Welcome. Nice to meet you. I'm Matthew. I'm Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good to meet you. (laughs) Um, and that was somebody that was heard us talking. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Um, so I've got a question for you. Just I want you to describe the armor of God. In your own words, how you would explain it to somebody? The armor of God. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. <laughs> for, for me, the armor of God, it actually is describing the nature of Jesus. That's what it is. It's everything Jesus accomplishes for us. And so then I think what's kind of neat about it, the way that, that kind of Paul articulates it is putting it on. Um, and, and, and again, how do we put it on? We've already talked about this. It's more on the belief factor. Right. You know, so you taught the helmet of salvation. Well, who provides that helmet? I didn't go to a forge and get it. No, he is our salvation. Or uh, the breastplate of righteousness. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's a gift prepared by him, through him, for us. Right. And again, it's a gift. We don't earn it. It's there. Um, you know, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. So, so it's like it's like every every piece that we see, it's an image of what we look like clothed in the person, in the righteousness, in the character and nature of Jesus. Cool. Yeah, I once heard. Think? I once heard. It, well, I once heard described that you know when we have the the helmet of salvation on, the enemy can't tell if it's us or God because mm-hmm. I kind of you know you often envision it as one of those helmets that's like just you know leave your face exposed but I think I envision it more as one of those Greek helmets that had like a face on it oh yeah so yeah. Yeah. when it folds down it actually has a face on it well it yeah. has the face of God on it yeah I like that um, now a question that I've often wondered about and I'm not sure why and maybe you have some insights or ideas in the Old Testament, there's places where the armor is talked about, mm-hmm. but there's an extra piece that Paul didn't include, and that was the cloak of zeal. Mm. And I don't know why Paul didn't include that, unless he just considered that everybody was as zealous as he was. And yeah, sure, <laughs> and the cloak sure, of zeal. sure. Well, well, and two, now some of that I don't want to bore anybody listening. A lot of that has to go back to um, sampling manuscripts and things like that, which again. For, for you, any serious Bible students, uh, a lot of people call into question how can we trust Scripture because of we don't have original manuscripts. Right. Well, even that, that word original 
that's not quite what we're talking about. Like no one, no one's going to go and find the actual writings that John wrote. Right. Th- those aren't available. But as a as a text, we have more source material than any other historical book in human history. Right. So like a lot of the Greek philosophers that we read today, those are sampled from three or four ancient texts. But we say, oh well, that was the writings of Plato and Socrates. Um, so it could be that as manuscripts are pieced together, Paul may not have even had that necessarily in his understanding. That's a possibility. Um, and so, you know, but again, it's, it's when we understand what the Bible is, I, I know we didn't mean to get up on this, um, that it, it, it's, 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 it's a menu, it's not the meal. Right. I mean, the meal is Jesus. Yep. And so I'm, I'm, and so I'm like, hey, when I, when I grab the menu, uh, it may not necessarily have everything on there I'm looking for, but it's going to point me to, to, to what I am looking for, you know? Right. Uh, and so is zeal a part of that? Well, I mean, I, I, I think most people that are apprehended by the Lord have zeal. I mean, I know you'd agree True. with that. Um, but even, you know, kind of going back to the helmet, the, the way I've looked at it as you have the mind of Christ, that's kind of what I think of as the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, the helmet is we think his thoughts. We, right. you know, we are, even our perception, we, we live life through his perception. So... But also like that that thought of the the face, right. you know that's that's really cool. Well, it's almost <laughs> could be said that we're in Him, and, and I think you know Scripture agrees with that. Right, <laughs> I, I think so. What so, was it? Uh, what did Paul say? We've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yeah, not us who lives, but Christ who lives. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and Ephesians takes it to a whole a great level of well, you ascended with Him, you're seated in Him, yeah. at the right hand of the Father. So yeah, I think so, you're right on. <laughs> Well, I don't want to draw this out a whole, you know, a whole lot longer. But um, if you could tell, you know, give a word of encouragement, of help, anything that you feel like is something that you know God would want you to say, or you just feel, you know, driven to say yourself, you know, that yeah. feel free to. Okay. Well, so, thank God we're in 2021 now. Amen. <laughs> but I, something I found, I, 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 I said this more than, I mean, I've said it before in my, in my life, but 2020, is like a broken record. I kept going back to 1 John 4, uh, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And uh, so you start with, you start with that encouragement. A lot of times we miss it. It's so subtle. It says, beloved, let us love one another. Um, so right there, God is speaking to your core need, your, your the core desire for humanity. Am I loved or not? Right. And so we're told right away, okay, beloved. So there's there's a fire going somewhere. The more thing here, that here. <laughs> so it starts with beloved. Let us love one another. So right there, my capacity to love others is born out of knowing that I'm loved. For everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And if you don't love, he doesn't mince words, um, you don't know God because God is love. And so that's what that's the encouragement I would give. First of all, you're loved, and it's from that place your capacity to love others is born. And just to, I mean, no matter what, I mean, I know the world right now is, there's so many things that are trying to steal our joy to, to get us to focus more on arguments and disagreement and discord than, than our love for one another. But I just encourage you from that place of being loved, 
challenge yourself to share that love with everyone that you encounter. It doesn't have to be spooky. Please, actually, don't make it spooky. You don't even have to make it spiritual. I think just to love in general is highly spiritual. Right. So we don't have to even dress it up. It's just it's just sharing the love of God with with everyone that we encounter. And so I just encourage you in that. And if you don't feel loved, I just want to encourage you. It's a lie. Don't believe it. And, um, and, and I'm going to be praying for you that the God of love will reveal himself in a way to you. And it, it could be through a new friendship. It could be through a new encounter. And you're going to know. You're going to know that you've had an encounter. And, uh, and you're going to mark that. You're, you're going to know it's God speaking to you. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, Matthew, thank you very much. For Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll um, have this, and then we'll uh, next week, or sometime in the next few weeks, we'll have a couple, some other people that I've talked to. So we'll just see who it, who it works out to be. And uh, I have enjoyed this, and we'll go from there.